Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 91 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest today is Rob Gallo. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Esty. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Guys, Rob is a widely recognized industry expert in the customer loyalty and rewards space. He's a pioneer in the gaming industry, having founded one of the first online casinos in 1997, which he successfully ran before selling it and retiring in 2010. This is gonna be a fun thing to talk about. He's the founder and CEO of Complinks, a white label consumer engagement platform. And these are a bunch of words that I know a lot of you just, you're like, what is the gobbledygook that you're saying? Okay, but basically it helps companies generate revenue from their customers, even while they're outside of that particular business. So with collective 60 plus years of customer loyalty experience and his team, they know how to implement exactly the strategies that deliver the most value to your customers. Rob, I am very excited to chat about this. And it says also that you like to play golf. I don't know how to play golf. Uh, yeah, I play, but I stink. <laughs> <laughs> I broke a hundred once. <laughs> I don't, you know what it makes me, I don't even know what that means. It means I stink. <laughs> I got it. But I enjoy the game. You know why they call it golf? All the other four-letter words were taken. <laughs> That's funny. I've played mini golf, but by the time I get to number eight, I'm like, can we stop now? Like, I really yeah. had enough. Into the clown's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about mini golf is like, you can kind of just like skip the holes sometimes, like depending on your plan. I'm like, you know, let's just go to that one. And like, there's always that one person who's like, we need to go in order. And you're like, no, no, the police are not going to come and take us away if we don't. That's funny. Nothing's going to happen. So um, tell me a little bit about this journey of yours. Tell me about this online casino in 1997 before there was like even a functional internet for the planet. Oh, yeah. So in 97, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't remember, but we used to have dial-up. You remember that dial-up sound? I remember dial-up. I was in high school in 97. Yeah, I used okay. to dial-up. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I was there. So we had, uh, we had a platform. So the, the story goes like this. I was on vacation with my wife and daughter at the time in St. Martin. And uh, we I introduced myself to a guy in a casino who was uh, doing sports stuff. And I was like, wow, he had a sign on the kiosk that said wager up to 250,000 on the Super Bowl. So it was, I was intrigued. Anyway, we became friends and uh, someone had come down to him and wanted him to get the gaming license for them. And I said, that's a great idea. You should open your own casino. I said, okay. He says, okay, and you can run it. I'm like, all right, whatever. I didn't know the difference between the whole percentage of blackjack, video poker. I said, I'll figure it out. How hard could it be? So um, I went up to Toronto to the company in uh, June of 97 and said, we want it to look like this, this, this. And I you know, said, uh, they, they built the platform. We licensed it from them. We went live in November of 97 and we did about $60,000 in business the first month, a hundred thousand the next month. And just, it just skyrocketed. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. So I told my wife, uh, pack up, we're moving to Antigua. She's like, what do you mean? Where's What's Antigua? Antigua? I don't even know where it's, that is. It's in the Caribbean. Don't worry about it. Just get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so she, 
we have two little kids, a five-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. And um, we went down there and ran the business successfully, um, sold the business in 2010. But how I got into the customer loyalty space, the company that we licensed- Wait, the wait, 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 back up. That, that yeah. was like a very short version of a very cool story. Hold on. <laughs> you were like, I, I let, I'm, I'm sure other people let you get away with that, not me. So you started this casino, you moved to the Caribbean because of taxes. No, the company was licensed there. So we had a gaming license in the, okay. in the country of Antigua to accept wagers from anywhere in the world. So I'm not going to bore your, uh, your listeners with the details, but yeah. uh, at the time, sports betting was deemed illegal, but casino really wasn't. According to the, the law, Statute 1861, which is the, the Gambling Act, that says you can't wager on sports over a phone line. So when they wrote that in 1961, they never really anticipated someone could play blackjack or video poker over a phone line. So we took the position, I hired an attorney out of Washington DC who knew gaming attorney, the gaming law. And we took the position that sports betting is separate. Casino and poker is different. It's not covered under that wire act. I so that's what I hung my hat on. In fact, I knew several guys that were doing sports betting that became kind of, I don't want to say prisoners, but they got indicted and they couldn't leave Antigua. They were like oh, fugitives. Wow. But I traveled back and forth. I paid my taxes and they knew what I was doing. Um, and then finally in 2011, the Department of Justice came out with a public statement saying it did not cover uh, casino games. And the reason that they did that is because they knew eventually that it was going to proliferate throughout the United States, which it has. Now I think 14 states have online gambling laws that allow gambling within their state. Got so, it. Um, again, the, the run was a great run, but we learned a lot as we built the business. Uh, you know, it started out with just me, but then we, I ended up hiring some people. By the time all said and done, we had about 40 employees. And um, we built the loyalty program from scratch. So what does this mean, loyalty program? Because I understand this is what you do now. But yeah. I still have one more question about the, the casino thing. So you were licensing it there and it was because of these weird laws that have to do with phone lines and because the internet ran over phone lines, that was the whole legal issue, which is basically gone now. Yes, it's gone now, but now it, it's complicated and that's, that's definitely- a, It's still just like a whole mess. Yeah, no, that I don't it. have to go all into. No. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let if it any of your listeners want legal advice without <laughs> paying lawyers, I paid enough in my lifetime for 10 people's lifetimes. I but, believe that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, but the long and short of it is that uh, now you need to be licensed by an individual state. So New Jersey, Delaware, Las, uh, um, Nevada, Pennsylvania. Right here, to Virginia. run something like this. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which they really only give it to major casino companies now. But I want to know, how did you get people to find you? Because the internet was just in its early stages. People searched and found it. Did you do marketing on it? Like, what did you do that people found your thing? Yeah. So what we would do is I hired a guy that would create banners for us. You know, I mean, the old 468 by 60 banners. Mm -hmm. And we would put them on other people's websites and pay them either a flat fee or commission, um, like an affiliate commission for everything that they generated to us. And then we built... Uh, what was called Focal Click, which is the affiliate program. Again, built this all from scratch, just from hiring smart people, you know, surrounding myself with people that knew way more than I did about all that stuff. I just had the idea and I said, this would be really cool 
and then found the people to help build what needed to be built. Got it. So you were not a programmer. You no. were the brains. I can't write a code, line of code to save my life. Although wow. there is a funny story, and I'm going to tell you real quick because, yeah. and this may be to my own detriment. When this is back even before this in '96, when when CompuServe was a thing, and I really found out about the internet, um, I started to think about building a website. And I, hi I went to hire this company and he's like, yeah, it's going to cost you $2,000 to build this website. And I'm like, are you nuts? $2,000. I went to the bookstore. They used to have bookstores back then for listeners that are only Amazon people. You actually go in and get a physical book. <laughs> Once upon a time, you could buy yeah. books somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. So I went to, I think it was Barnes and Noble, whatever. And I bought a book called Hot Dog Pro. And I, I taught myself how to write HTML just because just for the mere fact that I knew this guy knew nothing more than me and that I wanted to be able to at least understand, not that I was adverse to paying the guy two grand, but I just said, let me understand what it is that his magic secret sauce is to see if I could replicate it. So we ended up building our own and, and again, hiring a person to run it and manage it and, and you know, grow it from there. But anyway, I digress. Got so, it. We were talking about, though, what was the topic? Um, so I was asking how you had gotten the word out on it. Oh, yeah. So and, I, again, and you said you hired people who are smarter than you, and you can't write code, and that's how we landed here. Yes. Um, okay, so I love it. So you began doing basically affiliate marketing before that was anything. Yeah, we started, uh, again, it was a, uh, a separate portal that we called Focal Click, and we ended up, when, when it all said and done, we had five casino properties in a poker room, so the affiliate could come in and pick and choose who they wanted to promote. But either way, it was all just us. What does that even mean, five casino properties? So we had uh, Omni Casino, Sands of the Caribbean, one-on-one -on -one casino, 49er casino. I hear you, you had casino. five different casino, online casino brands. Yes. Uh, and each one had a different feel. One probably felt classier. One probably yes. felt trashier. Yes. I love exactly. this. Yeah, that was that was after after probably two or three years in the business. Meaning, we uh, we got and this our. This all came from that one day where you saw people betting. Like, how did you think of this? Well, again, we uh, we licensed the software, the underlying technology from another company, so we didn't build it from scratch. I hear. But we built the marketing channels around it, and the affiliate program, and the loyalty platform. So how it ties back into loyalty. Right. So now it's linked to the loyalty platform. Now, now we'll get to where you were going. So if you've ever been in a casino, yeah. you go in and you get a player's card. And what they do is they track your play. They track how much you play in a slot machine or video poker or blackjack. You hand it to the- Once to upon the a time player. you had, you had chips. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still, it's still chips, but it's just a way to track your, your play yeah. so they can give you comps, complimentaries. So that's how the name comp links came about, Got right? It. So getting comps from a casino is their way of saying, here's a reward for playing with us. It's like frequent flyer miles in a casino, right? Okay. So every major I totally company, thought comp links was like for computers. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, uh, that's for later on in the conversation. We need to work a, on your branding a little bit. Yeah, yes. Okay. Indeed. We'll discuss that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But, uh, Comps. Okay. So again, the idea was back in the day, we built it from scratch and we built player personas. So if we knew 
Uh, Esty was a block, a, a slots player. I'm a blackjack, by the way. A blackjack player. Okay, and you play between five and twenty-five dollars a hand, and you're playing on Tuesdays and Fridays only, right? Just nice. for argument's sake, we can see this in the back end. Yeah. So then we would come up with promotions that would be geared specifically to you that you would be more likely to respond to. Well, the tech on this is genius. And this is yeah. all algorithmic. Uh, yes, but, I mean, we would physically look at you it. Physically but, think it through, but then you'd put it into play on an auto automation. Right, it would say, so let, show me everyone yesterday who played blackjack and had uh, you know, a total gross wager of $3,000 or more. Right. And then that would, let's say, go to Abby, which was one of our customer service reps that dealt with players in that group category. And then Daryl would come, uh, you know, 3,000 plus, he was a VIP manager, he, he would contact someone there personally. So you ran your online casino like a real casino. Yeah. I love this. Okay, and then they would go and, and put in some kind of a promotional offer that would appeal to that user. So someone yeah. who's wagering 3,000 plus, giving them some kind of a comp that's like in the double digits is nothing. You're gonna give them like a three digit comp. Like you're gonna give them something that feels like something to them. Yeah. And then obviously based on the theoretical hold of what the cu customer should do over their, uh, their lifetime of playing, we would, I mean, we, we gave away golf clubs, trips to Vegas, um, you know, nice. like huge, but again, it's, it's based on the, the customer's interaction with us that we can see and generate a value. Totally. It's no different than Starbucks. You walk into Starbucks and you have your card, right? And they know that it's buy seven, get one free or whatever the mathematics work out to. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the same thing with frequent flyer miles. So we didn't invent it. We just kind of built it from scratch because the company that we licensed the software from didn't have anything. They didn't, they just gave us three flat files. When I say a flat file, it was just a CSV file, a text file that uh -huh. showed you know, registrations from yesterday, how much everyone played and what the uh, progressive jackpots were. Mm -hmm. So we built a system around it to suck in that data and it was called ICMU. Inter uh, our programmers called it uh, Internet Casino Management Utility or something like that, I don't remember. But uh, <laughs> it became our unique differentiator in the space as the space became more crowded. I love this, I love this. Okay, so this is where your whole next business came out of these kinds of yeah. reward systems. Yeah. Okay. So, so what happened was fast forward again. Um, you know, so the story really went like this in 2006, it was October 1st. I was sitting on the beach at half moon Bay in Antigua and I get a phone call from the customer service rep at CryptoLogic up in Toronto. And she says, as of Tuesday noon, we no longer take us bets. And I was like, what? So 85% of our business evaporated overnight. Wait, meaning the licensor that you were using. Yes. The software said all of your American customers can no longer use your stuff. Well, what happened was three days prior, uh, it was a Friday, I think it was September, maybe two days prior, September 30th. Um, there was a, a bill that was passed, the uh, port security bill. Uh, and they, they attached a thing called UEGA, which was the, uh, I forget exactly what it stands for, Unauthorized Internet Gaming Act, but it Can was I the Internet Gaming Act. Can I pause for a second? Act. What did you do before all of this? 
How did you, like, what did you do before this? Uh, you did something before this that helped you get like all of this legalese and how you remember it. Your memory is amazing. What did you do before the casino? Before the casino, I was working for a handicapping company. What does that even mean? So, <laughs> uh, it's in the UK. It's, it's a, called a sports tout. So just like a stockbroker picks stocks, yeah. I worked for a company that told gamblers who to bet on. In, for, in sports? In sports. So it was legal, protected by the First Amendment, but we didn't take any bets. We just told people who to you bet on. You just advised people. You're, yeah. you're the guy behind the ticket booth at the racetrack, but with actual data. Sort of like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but again, we're not, we're not taking the bets. We're just telling them who to bet. They bet with their own bookmaker or whatever. Got it. So it sounds like you, you've been in this, you were in this industry before you were working, you were running your own business in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, since I was 19, answered an ad out of a newspaper in high school, uh, just out of high school. And what did you do then? That was the handicapping company or that was something yeah, else? Yeah, that was a handicapping company. So that was your, the handicapping was your first job and that then was this was your job. first business. That was my first job and this was my first business. Love it. Okay, so I was like the story behind the story. Okay, you can go on now. So they Thank passed you. this bill on a Friday, which, it, which was a port something bill, which has a bunch port of security, legalese yeah. that meant that something. Bad. So what they did was they didn't make the act of gambling illegal. They made the act of transferring funds to an offshore gaming company illegal. So they put the onus oh. on the banks. So that just completely ruined your business model. Exactly. So <laughs> banks said, well, we're not going to do business with you. So we lost all our credit card processing and oh it was gosh. just devastating. Oh my God. So, Can I just, I, 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 for all the listeners, like for people who've been in business for, you know, any length of time, we all know that this is just what it looks like, but for people who are just getting started or, or in the middle, like this can sometimes kill someone. They're like, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect this to like, I expected this to like, okay, it's like a little bit bumpy and then it like works. And, but I feel like your story, like, I feel like this is business. It's these like blindsiding train wrecks yes. and it's just par for the course. And I guarantee you there's listeners out there to your show that are listening and can think of instances where i mean maybe it wasn't overnight but amazon put many many people out of business oh, totally. google google creates business and then takes business away in the sense that they make it very difficult for small mom and pops when i say mom and pops i don't mean brick and mortar i mean yeah. online businesses to compete because once something becomes good and cool and fashionable they'll create an algorithm to make it more relevant to their results yeah. Right. So anyway, this was just a complete slam in the face. Yeah. This is like, it just undermines the entire thing. So what did you do? So, uh, at the time we had 40 employees and we downsized to 14 and we ran a much leaner operation and we focused on the European market. So what we did was we looked at where are we now? What's our best markets in Europe? And it was Scandinavia, uh, Germany and uh, one, I think like Austria. So what we did was we focused on those markets, particularly uh, in poker was our biggest, uh, biggest driver. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, honed in on certain promotions to regain a foothold in the marketplace with our brands. And uh, what we did, fortunately, you know, when we, built the business, we had a lot of money saved in reserve to, you know, to pivot if need be. And when we did, 
you know, in the beginning of 2006, we came out with a promotion. So we were sitting in the, uh, in the conference room and we said, we need to come out with something big because at the time poker stars was kind of all over the world and they were gigantic. So we said, we felt that someone from Europe was going to win the world series of poker. So we sat in the, in the conference room and we were thinking about a sort of promotion that we were going to come up with. And we were going to give away a million dollars, a hundred seats to the world series of poker main event, which is $10,000 a piece plus another 250,000 on top of that in hotel airfare and cash. So the first six players, top six in a rake race, rake means that's how the poker rooms make money. And we did a rake race and the top six players got a private jet from London to Vegas. The next 10 guys or 12 guys, I think it was, got uh, first class round trip airfare from London to, to Vegas. And then the rest of the people got like a $2,000 travel voucher down to a thousand and then 500 for the for like uh, down the bottom thing. Anyway, it was 250,000. The point of the story is we're, we're sitting there saying, man, this is going to be sick. This will put us on the map no matter what it is. And we were thinking like Abbey Road, you know, trying to come up with some sort of catchy thing. And I said, no matter what, this is going to be sick. So then we just said, you know what? One sick promo. So at the time, the word sick was really popular in poker. Like, oh, that was a sick beat. Oh, you had to see this. It was so sick. So that's what we did. We came up with one sick promo and it was... It was crazy. So we did, I still work with this marketing guy today. Wow. Uh, I'm like, is, I'm, I'm quiet, not because I disappeared all of you. I'm just, I'm just on the edge of my seat, dumbfounded by the genius of this. Yeah. Okay. It, it was so much fun. So we did ads that were so sick that we got turned down from magazines that wouldn't run them. Why? Because they were sick. <laughs> but we were appealing to the, to the 22, 25 year old, Norwegian, Scandinavian, uh, Austrian poker player who was just a lunatic. These guys were playing 24 tables at the same time. They're out partying all night. They're just, you know, crazy. Crazy, very low class. No, well, no, no, not, not no class. Not low class, no, because they have a lot of money. Yes. It's not low class and it's not even low intelligence. It's, uh, definitely low grinders. impulse control. <laughs> but it, it was... It was crazy. These are the hardcore so, gamblers. Oh yeah. Yeah. But they were good. These guys were making money. They right. were make, most of them were making a living playing poker online. Wow. Yeah. And these are the top players and this was the promotion for them. So like yes. they were yes. definitely going to come play by you. Yeah. So the you must have earned guy, way more than this cost you. Say again? You must have earned way more than it cost you. Uh, it was close. It was close because we had to pay affiliates. So ah, okay, affiliates were driving this traffic and we were paying them 20 to 25, 30, 35%. Got it. Okay. So then so, I could see it being on the edge. Otherwise, yeah, the margins got very thin, yeah. but it was worth but it. But it put you on the map. It drove crazy yeah. traffic. It built your yeah. reputation. Yeah. Love it. So, and we had a bunch of fun doing it. Anyway, fast forward 2010. Um, my kids got older living in Antigua was great, but they got older and they needed to go to further education. So primary and secondary schools down there were great, but further education, we need to come back to the States. So we had never sold the house in New York. We would travel back and forth for the summers and Christmas, et cetera. So we had been coming back and forth from 2008, nine. And then in 2010, I was traveling three weeks here, three weeks there, and it just got, it got taxing. So I said, 
let's put it up on the market. We were fortunate. We found a, a buyer for the company and uh, we sold it and I quasi retired. And then literally probably, I'm going to say three months later, the VP of poker for CryptoLogic, the poker company that we licensed the software from, calls me up and he says, I've got this guy in Colorado. He invented a machine. It scrambles, shuffles, and deals real decks of cards, digitizes the results, and plays them online. He doesn't really know what to do with it, blah, blah, blah. So uh, they flew me out to Denver. I met with the, the board, and I came on as a consultant. And that's how my consulting business started. So I have Peak Gaming Group as a land-based online gaming uh, intermediary. So the land-based guys don't understand online. Online people, online poker and casino people don't really understand land-based. Land-based, just for the listeners, physical casinos. Yes, brick-and-mortar casinos. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So I, I kind of act as translator. So I have I Dover Downs in Delaware. I help them get their online uh, gaming up and running. Uh, did a feasibility study to show them how much they would make by each individual player on average and stuff like that. Uh, Grambley's Entertainment wrote a business plan for them that got them funding in Belize. Um, you know, a, a bunch of other companies. Online uh, gambling consulting, translating yeah. between the offlines and the onlines. Yeah, yeah. But still, so we I did that for probably the current company. Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. The current company is this, or the current company is something else. Well, that it's two. So that 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 company, Peak Gaming Group, still exists. I still consult. Um, but fast forward to 2016, my daughter graduated from business school, and I wanted to buy a company for her that she could run. I wanted to get my well, I wanted to get my money's worth of the two hundred fifty thousand dollars I paid in tuition for her, right? So. <laughs> I, uh, she graduated with a business degree from Quinnipiac. So I said, oh, yeah? I don't even know what that is. It's Quinnipiac. It's a, a private college up in Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. It's like a country club, but it's beautiful. Yeah. When you hear a Quinnipiac pole, they do Quinnipiac poles. They never okay. pronounce it right. But anyway, um, so we looked at a company in New York called Long Island Loyalty. Mm -hmm. I always knew it would be some sort of loyalty thing. And they have a pretty neat concept. They have a, a coalition loyalty platform where, you could go to, so there's about 250 merchants, local merchants in uh, Long Island, where you can go to a deli, buy a sandwich and get, let's say 10% of that value stored on this stored value card that you could then go and use that 10% that you just earned at someone else in the coalition, let's say a florist or a bakery. Very cool. And they'll give you that 10% back and then they settle behind the scenes, kind of like a referral thing. Genius. Anyway, we wanted to digitize it. We wanted to take the company and, and, Put the app on the phone and yeah. they were just no nah, they were old school I mean, these were physical cards i had a physical. guy in yeah. the early 2000s that was trying to build something like this i remember i was yeah. in my uh, yeah i was consulting on something like this a really long time ago um okay so we, we, we couldn't come to terms with the owners so we said you know what let's build our own okay i went back to the guys who built our original platforms in the casino space and i said here's what we want to do so uh, we wrote a feasibility study. We sat, I think it was the summer of 2016. We wrote a feasibility study, a business plan, executive summary, and said, here's what we want to do. Here's the business model, the use cases from past experiences that we researched in the industry. Uh, and we built Complex. The idea was specifically towards linking comp programs for the casinos to everything else. 
to any other spend that you do online. So we have on our merchant side, we have Walmart, Kmart, Home Depot, Best Buy, Petco, uh, JCPenney, Nordstrom's. Saks do they Pebble. have to buy in? Does the company have to do an agreement with you or you can run it piggybacking on them without their knowledge or consent? No, we, we have uh, agreements with them through networks that allow us to send them traffic and they say us, they give us a commission. So like my affiliate program back in the day. Mm -hmm. So when we send someone to uh, Walmart, they pay us a commission, right? And so that's what stores on the cards. Yes, but not a card now, it's, it's digital. A digital wallet yes. or whatever. I, I, yeah. In my head, it's a card, even though most, most cards are digital now. Yeah. Like when some, I, I forgot what it's called, but there's this really cool quote unquote credit card. It's a single card, but it's linked on the back end to all your cards. And you can shut it down or turn it on and select which card it charges. So you only have to carry one card anywhere you go and it's all your cards. But if you ever lose it, you just go straight in online and shut the whole thing down. It's like a shell. Yeah, that's like Apple Pay or Google Pay, you know. Or Same idea. Yeah. I just, yeah. I like that it's a thing. A physical card, yeah. They, they have physical card. cards as well, yeah. Apple. Oh, they do? I haven't even yeah. been to that. But it runs on the MasterCard rails in the sense that it's you're tying other credit cards into it. Yeah. So you, like you said, you could use and, you and know, use it say which one you want to use and things like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I like that it tracks everything also. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this.